Welcome back to Game Over, the most professional, unbiased, neutral observation uh, post-game show in the NHL. Don't have a dog in this fight. I just hope both teams play well. We got a hell of a game, and in my completely unbiased, neutral opinion, the Edmonton Oilers stuck it to the LA Kings like the assholes they are, and they made them look like absolute fools. The Oilers... Gave them every opportunity to get back in the game. They pulled out a 12-gauge shotgun and tried to shoot themselves in the face, and the Kings still couldn't capitalize. Stuart Skinner let in some of the worst goals I've seen this guy let in his NHL career. Guy, he didn't seal the post. Deneau walked out in front, nobody there. Ekholm, that was probably one of the worst plays Ekholm's had as an Oiler. There was a ton of stuff. ton of stuff. Absolutely classy. That's what we are here. We're all class. We're, we, we aren't like those other fans who just shit on teams. I tell it like it is. Just like it is, like how I see it. And that's, you know, um, that's how it's supposed to be. And, you know, Michael Jordan said that it's easy to trash talk when you're winning. But the real trash talk was when you're losing. And I had held, I didn't hold, I didn't hold back. Last postgame show, I was going. And I was cooked. Every single LA season, LA Kings season ticket holder was going at me. Nonstop. Did not hold back. I'm not welcome in Southern California. But, you know, come back. Show them that I'm not biased. So happy to be joined by my colleague, Liz. Uh, so gracious. So it's, you know, midnight where she is. So happy she stuck it out. So happy she's joining the show for me. We're going to get into that entire game and, you know, everything that happened, what's going on in the series. The Oilers, they tried to blew it. They, 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 they sure tried. But, you know, it's like a, it's like a bet. You know, they don't always go your way, but this one did. But, you know, there's going to be a ton more action. And if you want to get in on the action, make your bet with Sports Interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal. From all your favorite teams and players. With competitive odds, the best live in play, and more ways than ever to get into the game. Like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen. Or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus? Please play responsibly. All right, Liz, as a fellow neutral observer, what did you think of that game? I thought it was a very neutral game. Lots, lots of neutrality going on out there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm host of Game Over Winnipeg, hence the jersey behind me on the wall. So don't watch a ton of Oilers hockey um in this typical fashion. You know, oftentimes I just watch it to purely enjoy hockey and chaos, and that's a little bit of what I got tonight for sure. And you know. It's kind of nice and relieving as a non-Oilers fan, or pardon me, as a Jets fan, to know that other teams go through this up and down heartbreak that we go through too and realize, you know, we're not the only main characters out there. Everyone watches their own team shoot themselves in the foot night after night. But they stuck it out tonight, and it was nice to see that for their sake. Um, I thought there was a lot of fun hockey going on tonight, but that's exactly what I expected. Uh, some good from the LA Kings for sure. Uh, some interesting stuff from some of the goaltenders, but all in all, fun game. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree with you. It was totally a fun game. It was Almost the exact same script to a T is the last game, right? The Oilers come out in the first. They look like they're an NHL team playing a WHL team. The Kings don't register their first shot till what? Three minutes left in the first period. The Oilers were just constantly building on momentum, nonstop. Uh, with 10 minutes to go in the first period, the Kings got their first power play. They didn't even get a shot on it. The Oilers were smothering them at every opportunity. The Kings were trying to stay back in that trap. The Oilers were consistently beating them. Derek Ryan scored really early into the game. I grabbed the wrong notebook. That is the wrong note. So, okay. I was a little jack leaving after Kane put that empty netter away. So, excuse me Why? there. Are you excited? No, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Oh, my God. People. I, that's not a very unbiased thing of you to say. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Excuse me. 
I was, I'm like the ESPN people. Everyone thinks I'm cheering for someone, but I'm actually not. I'm just cheering for a, a good game and whatever. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it, the Oilers came in and they, and you knew. If you go down to nothing, ever, I, I swear in a playoff series, all, all analysts do is, they just bring out the percentages. It's the same story every pregame show. If a team goes down 2 nothing, they lose 86% of the games. If they tie at 1-1, they win 57% of the time, they win the series. It's You can tell it like a story. But the Oilers come out, they go back to 11-7, and uh, which the past two times that they beat LA, they were 11-7. and When they went back to 12-6, and that's where they saw their matchup problems start again. And it's really funny, actually, because the reason the Oilers were going 11-7 earlier in the season was because... Um, the bottom six just couldn't carry its own weight, right? Like, the Oilers notoriously don't have a lot of depth, blah, blah, blah. The bottom six, not very good. Uh, but kind of in the last 42 games of the season, the bottom six took off. They were playing, they were a, uh, plus goals for uh, with McDavid and Drassett off the ice, right? They were consistently a net positive. So to go in the playoff series, you're like, okay, if they go 12 and 6, it should be a positive, even though the Kings do have a really strong bottom six. Obviously, they come out, they lose the first game, Two and nine in overtime in the Connor McDavid era in the playoffs makes no sense to me, but whatever. And yeah, they come into this game. They bottom six again. Derek Ryan puts home the first goal off a beautiful Leon Draisaitl stole Carl Grundstrom's soul. He's still lying there on the ice in Rogers Place. He hasn't left yet. And yeah, Derek Ryan tucks home the rebound on Corpusalo. It's one nothing in it. And in that first period was all Oilers. When you were watching the first period, what like? What were you thinking? Like, were you like, how did the Oilers lose this game? How, or the last game? Like, are, are they good or bad? Like, I want to know from a, a, a fellow neutral uh, perspective, I guess. So in a very, very neutral um, response to that question, mm-hmm. which is actually funny because I genuinely am neutral in the series. I don't really <laughs> care. Um, but one thing that I thought was really interesting um, was just how loose the Edmonton Oilers defense is. And I'm not saying that to be mean because there's some good stuff that comes from it too and it's it made for a lot of back and forth hockey because since they don't play like a super solid like trap like easy on the line or whatever there's so much more room for LA to you know gain the zone a little bit often through passing I found more than carrying tonight but there's also a lot of opportunity for Edmonton to jump on pucks because they're so scattered out there and they're so mobile and they're not stationary on their blue line so that made in the first period that was what I noticed it kind of continued throughout the game but that was a huge change of pace for me from what I'm used to watching because there were so many breaks that came from that and they didn't always transpire into anything in particular but um there was a lot of rushing back and forth up the ice because of that and someone like Leon Dreisaitl is someone that capitalizes like that on crazy and like you said he was a man on a mission tonight and so he was someone I noticed early on in that first period yeah Ooh, color me shocked so surprising that that's a player I noticed but that was kind of why I noticed him and it was sort of a theme I saw throughout the game that it's it's kind of like a high risk high reward type of you know playing with defense because you might jump on the pucks it's kind of like when you're killing penalties and you throw one of your fastest skaters out there to hopefully jump on a puck that's going up to the defenseman or something but that was kind of the particular gist of what I noticed in a very very neutral manner Mm -hmm. no yeah Leon tonight Leon tonight like playoff Leon Drysaddle has the second highest points per game of all time out of any player well only Wayne Gretzky has more points per game in the playoffs uh, who played more than 60 games. Leon Dreisaitl has more points per game in the playoffs than Mario Lemieux. Like, Leon Dreisaitl, it's so funny because I'm back in December, back in January, if you would have looked in our game over chats, all it was is, what's wrong with Leon? Leon's hurt. Leon doesn't backcheck. He doesn't forecheck. He doesn't care. He's lazy. And I genuinely believe that, I, like, I'm pretty, see, I think it's safe to assume that Leon just doesn't care in the regular season anymore. Like, 
you can just tell he coasts, he skates, he does what he has to do. He doesn't do any more than he has to do. If it's a Tuesday against uh, a game against Columbus in January, you aren't going to catch him on the forecheck. No chance. But when the playoffs start, I've never seen a player be able to flip the switch and just turn into the best player in the NHL. Because one of the consistent themes, at least I've seen from Oilers fans on Twitter, is they're saying like, we need more from Connor McDavid, right? No one wants to say that out loud because... You, the guy had 153 points and put you on his back like through his entire career. So no one wants to be like oh, pointing to their finger at Connor. But through two games, Connor has one power play assist. That's about it. So Connor's something we can obviously talk about more. But to see Leon Dreisaitl on the second line center of this team take guys like Yamamoto, take guys like Kane, who Kane has through two games also been a little bit of um, a little bit of a weakness for the Oilers' perspective. Right? He's not an effective passer. He's really not effective defensively. Why Jay Woodcroft is using him on the penalty gala at all, I do not understand. It's gonna, gonna I'm getting heart palpitations when I watch it. Between him and Cody CC, five on four. Oh my god. There was a I think the Kings second power play. They were so the Oilers were so lucky that CC didn't get beat wide because I think Arvidsson beat him clean and like I think it was past the campaign. He just missed the shot. But damn man. It, I, I'm just so hyped. Again, this is one of those things, and I want to say, it's so, so funny looking at chat. We got MGD, Mickinator, Darkfighters, Wise Kyle, Daniel Kim. All the regulars are back. All the regulars. Not like last game. Not like all the people climbed out of the woodwork, peeked through the small out of Southern California, and started typing in the chat angrily. Not a, not a Kings fan to be seen right now. It's so nice. It's so quiet. Again, it's easy to trash talk when you're winning, but when you're losing, they're nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. So we'll see what they say in the comments because I brought my anti-bias today. I'm just telling them like this. There was a better team. Again, what whatsoever. But one thing I saw MGD point out in chat earlier uh, was we there were, what, 72 people watching. We only got 23 likes. Uh, the Oilers won 4-2 today. Let's make the like goal 142. It's playoffs, so I know we can hit that. No problem. We were at like 120 last game. So you guys be just smash that like button. Uh, we dress up for the Oilers wins. We dress up for our great takes. You guys, 14 likes right now. Those are Winnipeg numbers. Like, come yeah. on. You gotta you gotta show me that I'm on a bigger market out here. Come on. 14 likes. Let's get after it. Come yep. on. I um, Before we keep going, I do want to tell you guys a little bit about some of the pinned messages that you're seeing in the chat. Um, as a group right now, the Game Over hosts that are in the playoffs, so the Elite, um, Winnipeg, and the two most unlikable Canadian markets, um, the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, if you disagree with me like the chat. Um, we're raising money for Alphabet Sports Collective throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Alphabet Sports Collective creates a safe and inclusive environment in hockey for folks of all different kinds of sexual identities and gender expressions through education, community building, and mobilization. Uh, you can donate to Alphabet Sports Collective using any of the links that are in the chat, pardon me, uh, from SDPN. So we're raising money throughout the playoffs. Hopefully the Edmonton Oilers will be raising money for quite a few more games in a row, at least going to five now. So um, let's get back to it, Zach. So you keep going on your thoughts. Yeah. You've got all kinds. Yeah. Of okay. Right so, I mean, I think we both agree that in the first period, I think I know LA, I mean, you know, what's funny about tonight, not only did the Oilers get the actual win, like that's awesome. That's fantastic. They also won the deserve to win a meter. So they're actually two and oh and deserve to win a meter men's. I thought that was a fake thing. Well, LA Kings fans don't know what money puck is. I don't know if they have it down there in the States or what, but um, yeah, you guys need to look that up because you guys were getting mad at me for talking about a, something that just, you know, put takes what you saw in the game and puts it into a visual perspective and makes it easier to convey what happened. And 
Oh my god, did I hear it. Now, I, I've never gotten it after that game like I have before. I'm still amazed. I loved it. If you guys want to come dunk on me, I'll take your clicks all day. Go ahead. Please. I enjoy it. I love it. I thrive that way. But um, anyways, yeah. So I think we both agree that there was, we're the better team in the first. They come out of the first 2-0. That power play goal. That, I mean, again, McDavid's pass to dry settle on the power play. The power play is automatic. What, what, what else can you say? I want to add one more thing about that first period. Yeah. After the first period, obviously, three shots. Not ideal for a team that kind of wants to punch down the mouth of the Edmonton Oilers right now and go home um, with a 2 nothing lead in the series. Three shots to open the game, not great. Um, but the Edmonton Oilers were leading in shots and hits, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because oftentimes if a team has a ton of hits, it means they're chasing the game pretty hard and they're not able to maintain a lot of possession. To me, it made it seem like the Oilers wanted this more and they were caring more and they were doing more. Whereas it looked like there's a little more complacency in the LA Kings style of play because, yeah, not a lot of shots, not a lot of hits. It was a lot of... Yeah mushy middle not a lot of everything going on so and kind of to that point it's funny because the oilers dominate possession and again you can see in the last 10 minutes when they made a shift and tried to sit back which i'm not a fan of but we can talk about that later you can see they're the team that's dominating possession yet they're the team that's taking more penalties right usually that doesn't make sense like if you look at both games the Oilers have won the deserved i don't know exactly the possession numbers i don't have them in front of me i can take a look real quick here but if you look at the game like the Oilers controlled 62, yeah, like 62.8% of the 5-on-5 five five goals, um, right? So the Oilers definitely were the more dominant team 5-on-5 five five throughout the game. But, or expected goals, sorry. Um, but they are so aggressive when they don't have the puck that it was really funny to see. Well, it wasn't funny. I was pretty pissed off when they started taking those stupid penalties because... Last game, I was really mad. I was really hot coming in after an overtime loss. So every penalty the Oilers got, like the Kings player was diving in my mind. This game, I was trying to be a little more objective. Again, as you can tell by the suit when I was watching Neutral, the exactly when you were when I was watching the Oilers take penalties, like the the first penalty uh, by Leon. Right, he just slashes Adrian Kempe. He said in the morning he talked about being more mature, and he just two hands Kempe across the pants, like obviously like maybe that you get away with that maybe you don't but why you're doing that in the first place like you're even risking that is really dumb then uh, i believe it was ryan Nugent hopkins took the next penalty in the offensive zone well they have the puck he takes down drew Doughty. it's very similar to the hyman offensive zone penalty that happened last game then leon nowhere near the puck trips quentin byfield like again they're really avoidable penalties but they're they're just stupid. They're like a needlessly aggressive penalties. If you skate your if you're skating, if if I don't even know, you could you those are avoidable. The Kings did now I, I really don't want to talk about officiating. I really struggle talking about officiating because I don't want to sit here and cry and you know whine and whatever. The Kings didn't take any penalties. But I and, and I have no problem with any penalty they called the Oilers. And I haven't even talked about the Evander Kane brain dead penalty that he took. I've never seen something so stupid in my life. But it was kind of impressive actually that he was able to do that. But in what world would you want to do that? It wasn't even like he screwed something up. It's like, in what world would you lift? But look, I don't know. It would have been a high... They would have blown it dead for a high stick if you if you got it in the zone. Like, what are you doing? Like, what was the end goal there? You literally... Either way, they were going to blow that dead. I guess it could go down and the Kingsbury could touch it and they won't blow it dead. But, like, the odds of you doing that 
are so low. Like, what are you doing? This isn't baseball. What if you took a high sticking penalty? Like, there were so many things that could have gone wrong. I genuinely don't know what he was thinking there. Like, that was just brain dead, brain dead, stupid stuff. I, it's, it just kind of goes back to Kane on the penalty kill in the first place. What were, what were they thinking? I know the Oilers led the league in shorthanded goals, so obviously they do cheat for offense slightly on the penalty kill. Um, but yeah, the I think. The, the biggest thing for me, and one thing I kind of highlighted is, so at the end of the first, at the coming out for the second period, you it, it's really easy in the beginning to see, okay, when the Oilers defensemen have the puck behind the Oilers net, there is not a Kings four-checker in sight, right? They can just hang on to it all day. There is no pressure from the Kings whatsoever. The second period starts, and you see the adjustment from the Kings. You can see the four-checker. You can see them get, kind of abandon that 1-3-1 and put a little bit of pressure on the Oilers. The Oilers end up early on in in the second, get three odd man rushes. McDavid had a two on one that was stopped. He took the shot on, not like last game. Bugstad was robbed by Corpusalo on a cross crease pass, and I believe Dry Saddle as well on like a three on two or something. But Corpusalo makes all three saves, and then the Kings come back, and Ekholm tries to go for the hit. He misses the hit. Bouchard is the only one back on the two on one. Chaos kind of ensues in the defensive zone. Ekholm kind of abandons the front of the net. I think it was just really discombobulated getting back. And Dinoa ends up being alone in front. And it, you'd like Stuart Skinner to have that, to be honest with you, is cover the puck, do some, like, and I get it. It's kind of tough because you had barely seen the puck at that point. It's really funny, though, talking about goaltending to someone from Winnipeg because that's probably your last concern. Meanwhile, on our show, every that's the number one topic, 82 games a year, right? So... I don't know. What did you see uh, from uh, Stuart Skinner? I, I got to start asking you more questions. I feel like I'm just. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks when it comes to this game. So you you keep going. I'm I I watch hockey, good hockey. But, you know, it, it's a little bit different when it's not the team that you follow for 82 plus games. And it's like, you know, all of the little mm-hmm. intricacies and all that good stuff. But uh, no, when it comes to goaltending, for sure, I thought. Um, I thought Corpus Allo looked good. I know that's not what you're asking me, but there were yes. a couple moments where I was like, oh God. Well, um, and mm-hmm. he he managed to hang them in there, which was really great. Like there were a couple times when there there were pucks jamming around in front. I was like, there's no way that's not going in. And it didn't go in. So like congrats to that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't have a lot of faith in Corpus Allo either. Columbus is my second favorite team in the oh. NHL. So I've watched a lot of Corpus Allo. And between him and Merzlinka's like you don't always get the best goaltending over there on that team. So I was a little bit hesitant on that trade for LA. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work out for them. I thought it was an upgrade on quick. And I his, thought it was stupid you know, as shit. I hate Gavrikov. Yeah. I, I didn't want him. When the Oilers were talking about getting him, I was like praying to God that someone else would step up and be more stupid than Holland. And again, I, I owe Ken Holland a formal apology because Ekholm's been fantastic. Right. Um, for having the best trade deadline of any team in the NHL this well, well, year, much Yes, and, but this is this is the actually I'm glad you said that because and I saw someone point this out on Twitter and and I think it was a good point that someone said I still give Ken Holland a B minus the trade deadline because he should have gotten one more upgrade on the right side defensively he should have went for someone I know Gudis was available at the time obviously Florida ended up making the playoffs but someone like that capable of playing third pair right shot because you saw on the Kings second goal that tied the game what happened DeHarnay Vincent DeHarnay the guy he was in the ACHL like two years ago tries carrying the puck up the ice turns the puck over and gave Velarde Stuart Skinner you'd like him to seal the post there like I think that was a weak goal and um he puts it home obviously and, and that that's the kind of thing right you have a guy who's inexperienced he's 26 he's not necessarily like your regular typical rookie he's 6'7 he's big he's kind of like 
I don't even know if it's if I want to call him Walmart Joel Edmondson because I think Joel Edmondson is Walmart <laughs> Joel Edmondson. So true. So Except for the time you wore a crop top. The, the, that. Exactly. It got to respect the crop top. See Ezekiel Elliott and Joel Edmondson. Those are the two crop top kings. But um, yeah, that's the thing. DeHarnay kind of bit him in the ass on that play specifically. And I know last game there was an issue with DeHarnay as well. Having he ever played over twenty minutes last game, and there was some defensive lap. There was another defensive lapse. So yeah. It's that's kind of where I'm going with that. You know what I mean? Like, like you would ideally you'd like something a little bit more solid, but at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't matter. The Oilers ended up winning this game, and now they go off to LA, where the Oilers are a better road team actually this year than they are a home team. They struggled for a significant portion of the year at uh, at Rogers Place, so that's good to see. But yeah, no, that that definitely like everything, everything, every time this series, the Oilers have let the Kings or have been playing the Kings, and the Kings have gained some momentum. It is. Full stop, the Edmonton Oilers' fault. Like, the Kings have... I don't think the Kings have earned any of their... Okay, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I, no, I should. I should. Uh, completely unbiased. I don't Is think... Is it neutral? Yes. If it's neutral, proceed. Exactly. Proceed. Thank you. Thank you. Just like the ESPN broadcasters. Tell it like it is. I don't think the Kings have earned any of the bets. I think the Oilers have gotten on their knees and handed them to them on a silver platter. Everything you that they've done. Like the stupid penalties, right? Avoidable. The stupid passes. The decision-making in the defensive zone. I think even Woodcroft, to a little bit of an extent, like last game, we saw that sit back and defend and not push and hang back and dump and turn around at the red line. And they're trying to stack the blue line, the Oilers, in the last 10 minutes. And again, I'm not as good at systems as you are, like recognizing that stuff. I lean on a little bit more of hockey man cliches, so just bear with me. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, so the, the Oilers, when the Kings, and it's funny because when the Oilers, when the t- game was tied going in the third, it, the Kings kind of shifted back into that 1-3-1. And then, I, I'm, I'm so all over the place, I'm, I keep going back and forth, back and forth. Sorry, guys. I'm still getting used to playoffs. This the is... chat's loving it, so you just keep doing your thing. It, it, we're all big fans oh, here. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, thank you, thank you. Love all you guys. Hit that like button for me. I, like I said, 142. That is the goal when I check back tomorrow. I better see 142 likes. I know it's a little ambitious, but that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. We'll see what it's happens. It's an ambitious day for those of us who are neutral well, and uh, very professional hockey And again, you're getting goals. You get a goal from Drysdale on the power play. You get a goal from Derek Ryan. And then when it's 2-2, people were, I don't think it was a stretch to say that during the second admission, the season was on the line. You do not want to be going back to LA down 2 nothing. And I was thinking to myself, listen, if they're going to get letting goals like the Velarde goal, and if they're going to hand, just hand the game to LA the way they did, they don't deserve to go any further than the LA Kings in the playoffs, right? Like they were playing like a team that deserves to be out early. They were making horrible mistakes and they weren't, they seemed almost nervous, which they shouldn't be. But that's what it seemed like to me because they went far last year and these were plays that they were not making in like the Flame series, for example. But again, it wasn't Connor McDavid. It wasn't Leon Dreisaitl. It was the guy who I think if Matisse Yanmark is healthy and they ended up going 11 and seven, it would have been out of the lineup. Clem Costin, after hitting a post in the first period, probably dented the post. That shot was so hard. He comes down the wing, pulls it back, uses Sean Dersey as a screen, scores on Corpusallo. Kind of a weak goal. It was funny because Corpusallo has actually been really good. And I know you're, what a, by the way, what weird favorite teams to pick? No, it, it's because I'm a pure Luke Dubois fan, Zach. I'm mm. not joking. It's because that's where he was first, and I was a fan of that player before he came to Winnipeg. No, but it was a week goal. I feel like, I don't know how well he saw that. I feel like Jersey was, like, exactly in front of him on that. Um, 
But I think I want to go back to something you said earlier because you are 100% right. When a team is as good as the Oilers is, are whatever the grammatically correct mm-hmm. way is to address a hockey team, um, it's impossible to be full on beat by another hockey team playing their best. Because yeah. if the Oilers were playing their best, they wouldn't be beat. And so it's fully, fully on them for most of their losses slash bad plays that have come throughout the course of this last run that they've had with this team as they are right now, you know, after the trade deadline, it's a very different team than we saw in September and October. Um, But it's entirely in their heads. And you said in that second intermission, the season was entirely on the line. And I fully believe that the same way that, you know, there are a couple other series right now where if certain games go certain ways, the series is entirely on the line. If Winnipeg wins in Vegas tomorrow, they're not, I'm sorry. Like it's just not happening for Vegas. And it's the same thing with a couple other places. Um, so it, it's just going to be really interesting um, to see if they can manage this all this pressure and like this whole Connor McDavid thing. Like, and you keep towing around the subject, and I know everyone in the chat, half of them want to bring it up, half of them are like, "But it's Connor McDavid, and he's the best player in the NHL, and he's still playing like the best player in the NHL, and you can't always attribute everything to yeah. Scorsese." Like, I get it, I get it. Um, but he, the pressure's on for him, and I know he's feeling, it, and that's why it's it's turning out the way it is right now. Well. It's a really tough subject because if you just single in and watch McDavid, like he had a couple rushes and where he got the shot off and it looked really dangerous. Like he, Corpus Allo, I thought made a number of really good saves on Connor McDavid. But the fact is when you're Connor McDavid and you're the highest played player in the NHL and you're the best player in the NHL and you had 153 points of the season, the expectations are going to be sky high for you, right? The Oilers go like, you know, it's awesome to see Leon Drassett put up these historic numbers and it's awesome to see the bottom six contributing but at the end of the day and i said this last show the oilers go as connor mcdavid goes if mcdavid is good and and it, i know it's weird to say sit here and say oh we expect two points a game from a player because that sounds outlandish but it's been like that for my entire life like i well my entire life but my entire life watching connor mcdavid it's just been you expect him to put up those otherworldly numbers so when you're watching and he's not doing it it almost feels like something's off and i don't think he's injured i think the kings have done a really good job shutting him down i think they've done a really good job limiting his chances philip deno specifically like i don't how mcdavid's only drawn two penalties is beyond me like in you know tonight doesn't draw a penalty little suspect to me there was a number of times there's even Fogel like twice Fogel's been interfered with and it's directly led to a goal uh that you know that happened on the there's first no game, one so. in the world who knows what interference is in the NHL that, so, that's, I mean. fair, that's fair that's fair that's <laughs> fair I shouldn't and I and again the other one I shouldn't start bitching about the rest but the power plays in this series and, this, this, exactly. and I yes and I I like to think that I'm a very neutral observer but um you know, the power plays are 10 to 4 in this series so far. And I, I don't think any Oilers fan has an issue with anything that's been called on the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's more just what hasn't been called on the Kings. Because the way the Kings play defense and the amount that the Oilers have the puck, you cannot, with a straight face, and I know Kings fans said it last show, you cannot say that the Kings have not committed about an equal amount of infractions. Like, to say they've they've taken... And, and again, the Oilers had four. One of those four was an even-up call where they had a 30-second power play. They had one tonight, essentially, in two last game, and they were at the same time. It was a five-on-three make. David drew two penalties within 30 seconds of each other, and he has not drawn another call since. That's, that's it. So I think that's a little weird, and I don't think that's a trend that's going to continue. I think eventually, eventually, there'll be a game where the dam breaks and the Oilers will get, you know, four or five power plays, and... You give this team five power plays, they get five power play goals. And um, that's kind of just what happens. Liss still there? Oh, I think Liss is frozen. So we'll see if she reconnects here. 
That is weird. I was talking so much, I just... Huh. I... Liz, still there? We gotta talk to the producer. Um, Man, I know we look professional. I know I'm acting super professional. But we still have those technical difficulties. Okay. Liz says she can hear me. So, Liz, you want to try leaving the Zoom call and joining back in? Because you're frozen on my Zoom. And uh, let's see. is are, You guys... It just kicked you out. Oh, now it's me twice. Okay, so let's see if Liz joins back in. Oh, there we go. Am I alive? Perfect, perfect. I... Yeah, you got it. We're back, we're back, we're back. That was a little terrifying, but it's good. I heard the whole thing, so we're good. Keep going. I don't know what I was talking about. I don't remember either. I got a little distracted. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, no. I think I was in the middle of tweeting because someone in the chat um said something that was so damn funny earlier. They're like, oh, I came for Zach tonight, but I got Mr. Zachary. <laughs> so I had to go put that on Twitter because that was hilarious. Uh, but um, I, I we were talking a little bit about roughing and officiating the infractions. And I remember, obviously, I got to make everything about the Winnipeg Jets, no, guys. Like, ahead. I know you're all the same. We all do this. We all remember, and I'm not going to – I won't gloat, whatever, because, you know, you know how my team's doing mm-hmm. right now and whatever. The series where Winnipeg swept the Edmonton Oilers a couple of years ago yes. um, in the bubble playoffs. Conor McDavid, I think, drew one penalty. Drew no test. penalties, I don't no think. No penalties. Okay, that's what it was, yes. yeah. And so it almost makes me feel like it's a little bit of an overcorrection. I noticed at one point, I wrote this down, um, when the Edmonton Oilers were on the penalty kill. I didn't think Conor McDavid killed penalties, but he plays He's everything. He's so whatever. dangerous so he, killing penalties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, um, so he was out there and there was like a clear whatever attempt and Conor McDavid had the puck like near the LA blue line. He was triple teamed. Mm-hmm. Like this man has people on him at all times as he should. Like I'm not faulting the LA Kings for this. And when I was doing like all my series previews or whatever for the year, it was like, to me, this series came down entirely to line matching. Cause I was like, if it's not, if it comes down to like skill across the board, like literally everything, the Edmonton Oilers check more boxes than the LA Kings do. But you talked about Philip Deneau. We know Andre Kopitar is capable of a lot of good things. Um, I was really interested to see how they were going to manage the lineup. And that's always an issue with certain teams that are really top heavy. Um, and if they stack too much or if they don't stack enough, then things get weird with the line matching and all that good stuff. Um, but he's got good players stapled to him. He doesn't have like you know, guys who are just defensive forwards who know how to manage that situation so well. He's got guys who are supposed to be there to score. And naturally, I feel like those guys tend to let up a little bit more because they're looking to cheat offense a little bit and all those things. They're not the guys who have that, I make $900,000 a year and I'm here to only stop Connor McDavid. They're like, I also have to score a bit too. Mm -hmm. So you'd think that in a series like this, there would be a little bit more opportunity for even, you know, a little bit too loose of a stick that gets caught under a skate because he's exploding away from you and all that stuff. So it is interesting to me. I'm not one to think there's a conspiracy against him from the NHL, but I do think they're being deliberate with it. Well, I do think they are. Th- I, I'm not sure you would have heard, you would know this or not, because uh, this is like a theory amongst Oilers fans and o- Oilers media. But essentially what the belief is, is that the refs, it, it kind of leads to that game management. The refs understand and know how deadly the Oilers' power play is. And they don't want to be responsible for impacting the game. They don't want to be responsible for a goal, a guaranteed goal against on the other team. So they aren't going to call all the pen, like the penalties that they would for the other team on the Oilers in situation. If the Oilers drop 3-1 and a trip happens, like you saw the DeHarnay, I think, took a slash mile follow really late in the game. Like, that was blatant, as blatant as you could be. I don't care if you're a rugby fan and never watched hockey uh, a day in your life. Like, that is obvious. And they didn't call it, right? It was a tie, or the Oilers were up 3-2 at that point, and they knew if the refs called that, the Oilers were going up 4-2, and it's over. 
so they don't call it. Essentially, they know how good McDavid is. And then another thing that I've heard people say is sometimes the refs just are caught watching Connor McDavid because he's so fast, he's so dynamic that they're just watching and they're a little mesmerized and they don't even realize and they don't see it uh, in time. And that's kind of what happens. But those are the two best explanations, at least for, I think from my perspective that I've heard, because again, I know it's not like, oh, we want the American team to win, whatever. Like, I, I know it's I'm not, not. That's crazy. my favorite conspiracy because it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. Exactly. No, but I think I feel like that does that. That's not hard to believe. Like personally, like again, neutral. Um, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we galaxy brain refing um, in the NHL, especially maybe it's because I spend too much time around Leafs fans, um, where it just seems like everything has like an extra subliminal plot from the NHL's conspiracy, whatever. But I do think it is fair to think that they may be worried about, yeah, over impacting the game. And someone made a really great comment in the chat. I'm not wearing my glasses, so <laughs> the username is a bunch of characters and I don't want to screw it up. Um, but basically that the refs are trying not to affect the game. So they're affecting it by not making calls. And I, I feel like that's not an unreasonable perspective to take on things. But my thing on that is that that's it doesn't matter who draws the call there because McDavid goes out on the power play. So the fact that McDavid himself is drawing so few, I guess they don't want to call pl- power plays at all. But like, I feel like. If there was a super, super blatant one on McDavid himself, they would be just as inclined to call it as a super blatant penalty on, you know, like you said, who was it? Yanmark? Yeah, I don't even remember who you said. They, I'm all over the place as well. Day her name. Whoops. Mm-hmm. No, not even good. the same position or person. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I feel like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to play a little bit of a devil's advocate to get you more no. fired up or something. I feel like it's a little bit of a conspiracy, but I do understand that being if you're a ref and trying to manage the game you'd be like oh god if i call five penalties they're going to score five goals and that's not what i want to happen so i get it but i mean i feel like sometimes you got to call it how you see it and i do think the oilers play a little bit more of an undisciplined game against the la kings than the the alternative but i don't know i don't know that was a whole lot of mumbo jumbo to just say the same thing that you did but with a little bit more reservation and Dare I say neutrality? Yes, thank you. And I and I, I think you made the. I, I really liked your point earlier when you said that like they you know the Oilers had the puck more, but they also had more hits. And I just think the Oilers are playing so intense and they're feeding off the crowd and they're so fired up for the playoffs that they like it. It just it's coming out in in the penalties that they're taking. Like they're undisciplined, um, stupid kind of not thinking penalties. You know, like if they're aware of what's going on, if they're more situationally aware, if they're kind of moving their feet, if they're skating a little harder, you don't have to stick your stick out, whatever. whatever. I don't know. But um, at the end of the day, they the penalties have been a big talking point amongst Oilers fans just because there has been such a wide disparity. And it's also the timeliness of the penalties, right? Like last game, the Kings won it on a power play in overtime when there was a missed call right before. So Oilers fans were mad about that. And they t- I watched that tripping call, mm-hmm. I think, 45 times on Twitter, like the, the broken stick one. I I watched that one so many times. I know it's not the one you're talking about, but like the, that power play. Oh, my God. I because, again, I was like, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, whatever. Like, so I need to be objective and neutral about this. And I watched it. and I was like, I have no idea what happened here. I genuinely don't. Are you team broken stick? Oh, man, during the game, I was team dive. Like, I was so mad. Uh, I, I, listen, he had the momentum. He's falling down. I think that's something. If Listen, if that's Connor McDavid, I'm red in the face. I'm screaming. I think that's the best way to put it. 
I'm super mad. I understand it. I don't like it in overtime, though, because when I think of over playoff hockey in overtime, I also think back to that Winnipeg Jets Edmonton Oilers playoff series in the bubble. And there was a play, there was a, because a ton of those games went to overtime. And I believe it was that triple overtime game when Leon Draisaitl was standing on the wall and Josh Morrissey. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a more blatant holding of the stick in my life. Like, Josh Morrissey was water skiing from Leon Draisaitl's sick for a solid. 10 seconds, even Friedman, who doesn't talk about the refs in intermission, is like, you gotta make that call, like, come on, Does, don't make the call, obviously, Kyle Connor scores, and the Jets win that series, but that was a oh, long time ago. That... <laughs> I remember I wasn't even excited, I mm -hmm. was so tired, I was so exhausted, it was, it was like, do you wanna know what's crazy, I, would, I remember being so sad, I was disappointed, the Oilers roster sucked, at the time too like they, they were a lot better now than they were then but i remember looking mm -hmm. at the score sheet and seeing that darnell nurse played 65 minutes and i don't and know then went home and had a child and i was just so impressed with them like i was this is gonna sound so nerdy i went on coolhockey.com i bought a darnell nurse jersey at, right after oh, that's that cute. right that's after nice. that right after that game after he had his kid i was like wow what it was so inspirational, man. I don't even care if they lost. Like, what Darnell Nurse did tonight was something. Because they were only playing four defensemen in triple overtime. But again, this game happened a long time ago. And, but, yeah, no, I haven't. Obviously, I still haven't forgotten about it. But, um, yeah. No, I, I literally watched the Game 3 highlights from that game two days ago. So... I also haven't forgotten about. It. Well, and this is the thing. So I'm so my standard when I'm thinking of overtime playoff calls is is that holding the stick. Like if you're willing to let that go, that what Josh Morrissey did there, you're willing to get everything going. There's a great example earlier tonight in the Hurricanes Islanders game, right? That high stick oh of the refs right there. They let that go. So you let that and go. And the slash that broke Tavo Teravainen's hand. Exactly. You let shit like that go constantly. And then you call the most ticky-tack, like, borderline call. Like, it's a 50 they have, If they don't call it, you're like, okay, fine. They didn't call it. If they call it, you know, in January, you're like, okay, fine. Whatever they call it. But playoff overtime, are you kidding me? Like, after, you know, giving them, especially because, yes, and again, that was a penalty earlier. But with two minutes left in the game, you put the Kings on the power play in the third period to tie the game. to give them a 6 for advantage and call Evan Bouchard. They were on a power. They were had a two man advantage for the whole last two minutes, and they just kept getting every benefit of the doubt call. And again, they are the right calls, but just the way that the NHL works, it doesn't feel like the standards being upheld, and that's what's probably the most frustrating part from my perspective. Again, that game's in the past. This game's in the past. The series is one one. Going back to LA, anything can happen. This is the exact same script. Now, the game was a lot tighter. Last year, the Oilers won 6-0 in Game 2 to tie the series. So, it's a, it's definitely a different series. This Kings team is a lot better. We'll see what happens with Fiala. There's been no updates in that regard if he comes back. Because if he comes back, all of a sudden, the Kings are significantly more dangerous, right? Yeah, that's a big that's a big add. So, going back to LA, I think the Oilers are a better road team. I think it might... I was thinking about this your name. Might be good for Stuart Skinner to get on the road because he still looks a little nervous to me. This is just his second ever playoff game. I think it was good for him to get a win, um, a win under his belt. Now he's a win. He has a loss. He's two games at home. He's letting some weak goals. He's bounced back. He knows, he knows it's possible. Um, I, I wonder if the lack of shots early in the game played a factor because he began three shots in the first period. You're pretty much standing there the whole time, right? Goalies like, don't like that. Exactly. So we'll see what happens in LA. I'm, I have faith, but you, they, they need an extra save. Like, it, when, in the regular season when the Oilers played the Kings, Kempe had a breakaway and Kempe made a disgusting move and Stuart Skinner made the save of his career robbing him with the glove. And, like, that's the type of goaltending if we if the Oilers do want to go far that they're going to need at certain points from Stuart Skinner. So, we'll see. 
I'm stressed. I definitely disassociated a little bit more today because I'm able, again, I know it's still a little bit all over the place, but I was able to recall definitely a lot more than I was last game. I've never been more <laughs> devastated doing a broadcast. Like, oh my God, th if it wasn't for Rob and I had to run OBS, like I would have been in tears. Um, whoever, <laughs> my guests would have been upside, Audi would have been upside down. Like it would have been, it was a genuine mess. So I, I'm thankful, obviously, for you coming on. We'll see what happens, but um, yeah. Any any last words? Anything you? What do you think happens when the Oilers go to LA? Even if you, I don't know if you even want to make a prediction or not. Oh, I I will always make a prediction. I found my beginning of the season standings predictions the other day. They were so egregiously off that I'm just I'm full in on the predictions. My bracket's already ruined. We'll we'll just go for it. Um, the Oilers are too good. I'm sorry, and if my family's listening, close your eyes. Shut your ears because we don't like the Oilers in this household. But the Oilers are too good. And like you said, they're a good road team. And I think having, like, we talk about adversity and all those kinds of Several, several, several losses is adversity, but there's no hope in that. And the Oilers have, I think, a great amount of adversity and hope that they can build on in a good capacity. Obviously, so do the LA Kings. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, take that away or anything. But the Oilers have the right side of it. They lost the first game. They used that. They won this game. There are points to take away. It wasn't a perfect game. So it's not like they're going to become complacent and just sit back. I think they're in a good position and they're well positioned to do well um, in LA. I don't know. I still predict the Oilers to win this series quite handily. I think that we're going to see. I think as soon as here's my prediction. I'm, I'm just all over the place, just like you are. All good. <laughs> Connor McDavid scores in the third period of the next game. He doesn't score before that, stays off the score sheet, maybe lets in a goal or two beforehand. You know, it's not looking great. He scores a goal, a Connor McDavid, like, full up the ice rush goal, like, you know, the Connor mm -hmm. McDavid highlight real type. I know. And then after that, he scores seven goals in the rest of the series, and then he's the Smythe winner when they lose in the... Stanley Cup final to somebody. I don't know who yet. This is my just uh, listen. I love I love that you picked the others to lose the Stanley Cup because way too many people picked them to win the Stanley Cup. And I was not a happy camper when I saw the brackets coming out. My bracket actually has them losing the Western Conference final, if I'm being completely honest with you. I do have the Colorado Avalanche winning the cup because really? I believe in that team. Except yesterday, they made me a little bit embarrassed of that take. But uh, I think this Oilers team is good as hell, and I think they're going to sweep the Jets in round two. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think my bracket had I, I had the Oilers over the Rangers in the cup final. I had an Oilers-Stars conference final, but yeah. I mean, the Stars won today, so we'll see how yeah. that goes. But yeah, no, I want to thank everyone again in the chat, and I do see Wisecow saying we beat the Drake Chris. When I saw that Drake bet on the Oilers, I was so, actually so nervous because I, I was – and I saw he bet on Boston and he bet on the Lakers and every team up until the Oilers <laughs> played was losing. And I was so nervous. I'm like, oh my God, we're actually fucked. We're screwed. We're done. And obviously not we, sorry, I'm not on the team. I'm just a, a neutral observer. No, no, it's we. It's always we in the playoffs. Exactly. Never take away the we. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I don't know who Chirp City Media is, but weird as shit okay whatever anyways i want to thank wise kyle you know travis mickinator neil and again i'm sorry guys it wasn't as interactive as the chat uh as i usually am obviously Liz was nice enough to join me let me ramble my brains out so i really appreciate you for coming on staying up late watching this game because i know you're busy with the playoffs in your own right right so uh i'm sure what so yeah Liz, where can they find you where can they find yeah. you 
I'm all over the place. I am having a great time covering the most dominant Winnipeg Jets game I've seen in my life yesterday, which was super fun. Um, and I'm on Game Over just like Zach, so you can find me on this same channel on Game Over Winnipeg. Um, for those of you who are familiar with some of the other Game Overs, I got Peter from Game Over Calgary coming on on Saturday, which is going to be super fun. And I got a couple other Winnipeg people coming out, which is great. I'm on Twitter at uh, Liss Hood, so that's L-Y-S-S-H-O-U-D-E. And you can also find me on TikTok at Game Over Winnipeg where I talk about all this good kind of stuff. I do a lot of get ready with me while I explain all kinds of different stuff about hockey and, you know, just kind of poke holes at a couple of other fan bases just to kind of get a rise out of them and have a good time. So I'm all over the place uh, and all over the place is exactly how I want to be, just like you. So (laughs) we are having a super fun time. We may see each other in the next round. I'm getting a little optimistic. (laughs) Friends off. It's going to be like on steroids when they're... Because I don't want to, you know. No, I'm really not. I'm so high on the Winnipeg Jets right now because I've been dunking on them for the last four years and they win one game and all of a sudden I've become the biggest homer you've ever seen. So, Oh, homers? uh, On Game game Over? No, oh my God. I'm going to go be in your comment section next game and you're going to hear one. You're going to hear about it from me. I tried to wear an orange blazer for this. I was like, I got an orange blazer. You're wearing orange. I'm wearing blue. It is what it is. We look fantastic. The Oilers look fantastic, even despite, you know, a little bit of waves of ugliness throughout, but whatever. They look fantastic. Obviously, if you you want to watch Listen Game Over, be there tomorrow. They take on the Golden Knights in Game 2. Also, I I got to end the show, but I love love Brady's battle with uh, Blake Wheeler on Twitter. Every time Blake Wheeler, it's so funny to me from from a neutral perspective. Very funny. From a neutral perspective, my neutral take on Blake Wheeler is that he is old. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Blake Wheeler's something. But, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, I want to wish everyone in chat a great night. We will see you back here to be me and Avery on Friday with Game 3. Some guy said that he would skip his daughter's wedding for for that collab, so... Awesome. I'm um, great. Uh, the chat was awesome tonight. Hit the like button one more time, guys. Stay safe. Have a good night. And that is all from us. Take care. Good night. Play La Bamba, baby. Oh, shit. Yeah!